We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Uh, Coming at you Monday afternoon. It's March 13th after a weekend off. The Wolves are in Atlanta Monday night to face the Hawks here in a few hours for first Hawks-Wolves matchup of the year. Uh, Wolves trying to get back on track after falling in overtime to Brooklyn on Friday night at Target Center. I'm joined this morning or this afternoon. It's 11.18 a.m. as I look at my screen uh, by Chris Hine in Atlanta, who's actually at the stadium in Atlanta right now. Chris, you were just at Wolves practice. We'll shoot around this morning. Uh, we kind of checked out from this team for the weekend. I feel like everyone did. I think the team kind of <laughs> took a break. And now, you know, I think everyone kind of needed a break back to 534 and 34. But there's 14 more games uh, to go. Uh, where are we at with this team entering uh, Monday, another week? You know, I, I I think every time you think they've taken a step forward, they re- they remind you that, you know, they are kind of who they are in a way. We are who they thought they were. How does that go? They thought they were. That's right. Um, let them know, off the hook. They're, they're, they're just, this iteration of this team is just inconsistent. You know, it. they go on the West Coast. They have. Have, they have a nice road trip. They come back home and, and drop two games. And one of those being against Brooklyn, very winnable game. Um, this is just who they are. And I think that equates to like the seventh or eighth seed at the end of the day. You know, I that's kind of where I thought they would probably end up mm-hmm. at the end of the season. And I think that that's kind of where they're tracking at the moment. So, you know, it, it's just late in games. Can they do the little things? Can they do the 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 box outs, the closeouts, the staying at home on the shooters? Can they execute these things that you need to do and you need to execute in order to win games? And I don't know that they can do it on a consistent basis. Yeah, Chris, it kind of feels like, you know, we go enter this week, Atlanta Monday, Boston at home, and then uh, to Chicago on Friday, to Toronto on Saturday. And I know we've kind of been saying this a lot like you got to make the push you got to make the push uh it it kind of to me i think where i'm at in in my head is like this is the last chance sort of right right now to 
make this team or make this season be a, a season that doesn't necessarily feel underwhelming. Like there, there's, I kind of view it as, you know, maybe there's a couple more games here without Carl. You get a little bit of momentum there. And then, you know, who knows exactly how Carl will integrate. But I feel like if you win a couple games and then you open up Carl coming back, there's like, there's this possibility to hit a couple dominoes in a row, right? Where you're like, okay, now it's kind of trending into the last 10 games of the season. Like you're seeing fewer of, you stop believing the in, in the inconsistency. I think that's, I think it's the last chance right now to stop proving that they are an extremely uh, inconsistent team. It's, it's, it's not easy games. We don't know uh, when, when Carl is going to get back, but I don't know. I just feel like the teeter totter. We've, we've done that so much this season that it's just got to kind of be the last 10, 15 games here need to be way more up than down to sort of salvage something here because ultimately, right. If it, if it is the seven, eight, nine, 10, even if they squeak in, I think there's going to be something that's relatively underwhelming about that, even within the context of having missed Carl for 50 games, having made all the trades and and, and everything that they have this year. It just I don't know. I, I don't think there's much more room for teeter-tottering in this season. Um, obviously, the big picture is the big picture. There, There's going to be more seasons of this, but I don't know. It just kind of feels like it's sort of the the end of the match here um, where, where the, it's kind of now or never is how I'm feeling about it. Well, that's, that's exactly it. It's like, we're no longer in the first quarter, second quarter of the season where this team is trying to figure itself out. They've had plenty of time to figure themselves out without Carl. Um, and it's just, it's hard to see. It's hard to see the growth in, in it in a team throughout the course of the season, right? Like it's hard to see on a game to game basis, like where has this team gotten significantly better over the course of time? And, you know, you, you could point to the defense being, you know, a top 10 defense as, as, you know, one of the things, probably the main reason why they're 500 right now Yeah, in ant in ants growth, uh, you know, kind of before the all-star break there. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to these, to these just little little things and and uh, you know it's one of the big issues that i've that i've had with this team dating back to last season the the ability to just have the maturity and the the attention to detail to win these kind of close games to beat the houston's and detroit's of the world that's ultimately why they're in the position they're in and, and looking at this next week i think it's it's good you look at this next week Starting today, you know, and ending with that game in New York, let's kind of jumble that all together is this five game swing here. Sure. You're looking at that and you're like, I guess three and two is good if you come out of that, you know, but it's again, it's like, it'd be nice for them if they, they were able to go four and one, five and oh, and, and really put a stamp on like, yeah, that's what I'm put, saying, right? Put their foot down yeah. for the rest of the season. I don't yeah, expect it would be fine, but it's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, three and two would be fine over these next five games. You're probably not going to be losing any ground in the standings, but at some point you got to. I feel like I feel like we thought that was happening on that West Coast trip. We're right. like, all right, maybe this is where they get their their mojo for the end of the season, kind of like they did last year mm-hmm. in the second half of the season. That point has not come this season, where they've just kind of taken off and it's just piling up wins after after win with occasional losses it's just always been 
you know, two steps forward and two steps back with this team. Yeah, I'm like of two minds with it. Like, particularly as it pertains to Ant, it's like you think about it. I mean, this team is not even five, probably not even anywhere close to 500. If one Ant doesn't take a pretty big step forward this year and two plays in every single game, like they've absolutely needed that to get right. to 500. Yet simultaneously, when we talk about the inconsistency of this team or the inability to play four quarters or the inability to step on a team's throat right now, um, like like they couldn't against Brooklyn, I do attribute some of that to Ant. Not necessarily full blame on him, but it just that it has to kind of be him. Like the fourth, Rudy was really good in the first like three quarters of that Brooklyn game, and then in the yeah. fourth quarter, it's like. I mean, like, Rudy was really good offensively, right? Like, that was kind of the main offensive focal point. But you know kind of when you're going to get to the fourth, it's like, what is Ant going to deliver? Because he is the only person who has the skill sets and abilities on this team right now with Cat out and D'Lo gone to be that, you know, the fourth quarter guy. And and it's, I thought that Brooklyn game was such a good, like, encapsulation of it where Ant looks like the killer dude for a couple possessions and then it goes the the opposite way and then he comes back there there is an inconsistency to the team's play and I don't know how much of that in fourth quarters end of games to put on Ant because he is young it does all fall on his shoulders and how much is reasonable to put on a 21 year old right now right. but to win that Brooklyn game or to do the thing where they go four and one five and oh on this trip which I'm not saying that is a fair expectation but it it's kind of what I feel like you need to do to be able to push yourself back up to that achievement bar, which I think is the six, five seed, whatever in the West. That all just feels like it has to come from Ant. And what I struggle with is like, how much do I want to hold Ant accountable to that? Because without Ant in this mix, his team is just probably a well <laughs> under 500 right, team. Right. And what if we went into this five game stretch here and Ant just, randomly was off i'd be like man they're gonna be lucky to get one or two of the five you know so i don't know i'm just kind of in this 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 weird uh place with ant where i don't want to you know you don't want to like roast him but there's also something where there's there you just need a little bit more of that consistency i think i think it's just the sign that he is the the leader and the main guy in this team right now because the inconsistency of this team seems to so be a mirror or whatever reflection uh, of what Ant is doing. This is what happens when you're you are relying on a 21 year old right. to to in these situations. Mm -hmm. And at the trade deadline, and we know why they made the move, but you've taken away that other kind of dynamic, yeah. explosive potential score late in a late in a game in D'Angelo Russell, who, for all the faults and flaws. And, and things like that one thing he could do is take over a game late and hit a couple threes for you and things look good mike conley had a couple big shots on that west coast road trip struggled the other night against brooklyn to, to get his shot to fall um and and going back to ant a little bit too not just i i think not just maybe on the offensive end of the floor but if you kind of go back and take a look at some of those defensive breakdowns yeah it was kind of ant maybe falling asleep a little bit off the ball and all of a sudden, Brooklyn's getting open three. So it could be both ends of the floor with him. But at the same time, this is what you get. This is what happens when a 21-year-old is the focal point of everything you do down the stretch. It's not going to be perfect. Mm -hmm.
You know, it just isn't. He's, you know, he's he's been fantastic for the majority of the season, but he's still 21 years old. And I don't, I don't think it's, it's not his fault. Like he's still learning how to yeah. how to navigate these big moments. And, you know, Finch will tell you that's part of the growth curve. That's that's the term he uses a lot. Yeah, it. it I, was, I was talking to Britt about this uh, last week where it's like we know that Ant and Jaden are young, right? And so what this new role that they're in, who both have elevated roles, are obviously new roles to them. Like Ant this season being the guy, clearly the guy that's new. Jaden is not just a 3 and D guy anymore. You know, he's taking the step from what he was asked to do as a 21-year-old to a 22-year-old. And then it's interesting with the other two, I would say, you know, main pieces in the starting lineup too, in Conley and Gobert, is what Rudy's being asked to do is new. Like, he does not have the same role that he did in Utah. Like, this season, it's all been new, what what he's what he's being asked to do. And I don't think Conley's being asked to do new or different basketball things than he was asked to do in Utah, but he's new here too. And so it's just kind of all this cocktail of kind of inexperience in ways where you're like, yeah, this team is so up and down because everything's new. But then at the same time, you're like, man, here's a here's a spike from Ant. Here's a spike from Jaden. Wow, Rudy had 22 points or whatever in the first half of the, the game against Brooklyn. And, and you're seeing these, these markers of growth. And then ultimately, the up and down nature of it leads to, to losses that I feel like create this tidal wave that can, to the fan base, kind of wipe out what those encouraging signals are. But I just go back to the fact that it's like, this is all new. This is not a path they planned on, uh, particularly because they planned on Carl Anthony Towns being in the mix of all this. So it's it's a big mixture. I know I, I saw you you tweet that uh, that Carl was was at practice. I'll just let, let's take a quick break and then uh, you know do our weekly check in on the uh, on the, <laughs> yes. on the, on the cat status. Let's take a break. We'll be back yep. with Chris. Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore. If you're a dude who is still washing your face using a bar of soap or nothing at all, this one is for you. It's time to stop living like a caveman and start taking care of yourself with Land and Lore. The only men's skincare brand that doesn't suck. Let's face it, if you don't look good, you don't feel good. And if you don't feel good, you're not going to do good. So start your day off like you care and use Land and Lore. Your partner will thank you. And we'll be proud of you for at least trying. Fans of the podcast have even more reason to start caring. Use promo code 20CAVEMAN at checkout on Amazon.com to get 20% off our face cleaner or moisturizer. And extra credit if you leave a review. That's 20CAVEMAN for 20% off Land and Lore at Amazon.com. These two products are proven to help you look your best. So upgrade your life with Land and Lore today. Your face and your partner will thank you for it. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. 
reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. So Chris, we've, we've been talking about the up and down nature of this team, this whole podcast, this whole season. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it just feels like the, uh, you know, the, the antidote to, uh, antidote to that would be having somebody of Carl Anthony Towns' caliber to sort of neutralize the swings too low. Right. And, and that's what it feels like we've been waiting on. We don't know how long we're waiting for that. Um, I know you didn't get a chance to talk to Carl uh, at practice today, but but what can you give us as being in Atlanta um, that that signals Cat is any bit closer uh, here for this week? Yeah, I uh, I would say just kind of watching the end of shoot around. We don't get to we don't get to watch the whole thing for for context here. Um, we're let it at the end when guys are just kind of getting up shots um, and maybe doing an individual workout or two, but. Carl was just kind of in the group, um, putting up shots. Uh, you know, Kevin Hansen, the assistant coach, was was you know kind of feeding him shots from the corner. And if you didn't know any better, you would have thought he was just kind of one of the guys out there putting up shots at the end of practice, like everybody would. That's kind of what it looked like, mm-hmm. just kind of business as usual. Uh, um, so you know, there didn't, he didn't have like anything on his leg or anything like that. No like brace or cast or at least that I could see me. Right. Maybe there was, you know, maybe something underneath, but I, I couldn't see anything. Um, and he was just putting up shots like like normal, um, mm-hmm. like we would normally see him uh, if he wasn't injured. So that's kind of what it looked like. Um, that's that's about all I can say. Right, <laughs> I don't right. want to say, you know, I don't want to speculate anything beyond that. We didn't get to talk to Finch. Um, we don't talk to Finch with shootarounds anymore. Um, so you know, hope to have a maybe a little update from him later today before the game. Um, but that's that was essentially it. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I would just, uh, I guess, to contextualize what that means. I I see that as uh, as progression. I mean, I'm, I think it was I was in Denver for a shoot around uh, almost exactly a month ago, and you know Carl was there and he is wearing like a practice jersey, but it didn't look like he was part of the group. It looked like he was a person at practice more so watching practice, you know, um, and, and even if that was afterwards when people are just getting shots up, like Carl wasn't really involved in that. I think I, I mean, I think everyone's kind of on this belief that it, it looks like he's trending in the right direction. He's making, he's doing more things that signal a time here is closer that he's going to return. Like anecdotally, the behavior that we've been exposed to, the things we've heard from when we've talked to Finch, or, you know, teammates, or other people in the organization, it does legitimately seem like we have we have moved up actually quite a bit on his growth curve in terms of uh, re- returning from an injury. So, you know, yeah, this kind of stuff was not happening a yes. month ago. That's what I'm talking Or three weeks ago, like seeing him at shoot around teammates, you know, sounding excited to see him back on the floor, Finch talking in, in greater detail about mm-hmm. what he's been doing like all this stuff was not happening even two weeks ago um so it does feel like it's starting to ramp up and it's like for real now and not <laughs> yeah. not just like uh 
theoretical oh when carl gets back like it feels like okay the wheels are in motion here to try and get him back out there you know so it sort of felt like there's been this like looming something of if it gets too far into the season like does it make sense to bring him back you know that has been the looming specter over this and i think about it again before the atlanta game there's 14 games left in the season right we talked about we have this week through saturday which is you know four games monday wednesday friday saturday that puts you at the 10 game mark uh for the for the rest of season rest of the season and you know i am of the opinion that that feels like enough time i don't feel like that feels like super pinched i think you can take if there's if it's he comes back with 10 games left that feels like enough time to do two three games with a minute restriction um maybe four and then you have five six maybe he takes one of them off right if there's a back to back in there i don't know in, in the last 10 games but then to really have maybe like five games where Carl's playing 30-plus minutes, like the last five games of the season, which should be relatively high-leverage games, right? Maybe ones that you you right. can learn a lot more in, uh, and then you take that into what's looking like the play-in right now. Um, or if you make this some sort of crazy run here, maybe maybe it is just straight into the playoffs so they can grab the sixth seed. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't really articulate why, but that 10 games feels like enough to me. I, 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 that doesn't really scare me in, in, in terms of like being sure. a disruptive factor that could potentially hurt things. Like it would be if he could only come back with three or four games that I'd be like, okay, that might be a little funky because those are going to be minute restrictions games. I don't know. 10 just doesn't, I, I don't, I don't personally feel that way that like 10 is not enough time to bring him back. It seems like a no brainer and you just get him back out there for the advantages that will come from having him back out there. Um, I, that, that's where I'm sort of at with it. Yeah, we'll see if he's able to do that in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the big question. Right, you know, yeah, I, you're right. I'm just is, totally throwing is, out a, a random right, date. If he yeah. is actually ready ready to do that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's probably the last final step of his recovery is like actual live game action for yeah. a couple minutes and see how you respond. You know, the, the counter to that and the one thing that I kind of wrote about this weekend or for Monday's right. paper, um, you know, let's take a look at Jordan McLaughlin for, an, for instance. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he was about 10 games back right around that mark. And I talked to him in Los Angeles about just how it's been going for him. And he's like, I'm still not, I'm still not all the way back. Mm. It's like, you know, I, I'm not trusting my movements. I'm not, that was a big thing for him. He wasn't really trusting his movements. Mm. Um, and that was about 10 games afterwards. But we, I think we have hit the point in the season, in my mind at least, that I don't know that Carl Anthony Towns is ever going to be back to 100%. Mm-hmm. himself this season i think you're going to end up with a version of carl that is 80 percent him 75 percent what he yeah. can do i just i i uh, we've hit that that point mm-hmm. for me i think that i don't think you're going to see a barring like a deep playoff run or sure. something like that where he's able to get a bunch of games under his belt um i just don't see that happening where he's back up to 100 full-on carl that that we're used to seeing yeah it, it's interesting to do the J Mac comparison obviously just because the injury is the same but you know to, to spin it a little bit it's like okay i i can i think of jordan mclaughlin's game 
you know, given that he's undersized, given that he has the limitations that he has, that that speed, that burst was, you know, su- such an important part. Jordan McLaughlin yeah. has small margins to be a uh, impact player. So you take away some of that quickness and speed and you're like, man, is this should he be playing? You know, it, it like kind of yeah. got to that point with J-Mac. With Cat, I'm like, all right, let's just apply the same thing. Let's say his burst is, you know, 60-70% of what it normally was. And so maybe I go, well, you know, maybe it's less of those really quick, like, pump-and-go, dunk-on-people things that that Cat does from the perimeter attacking the basket. Like, maybe you ask Cat to, maybe he's just, like, posting up more, right? And it's less of, like, right. an, like maybe, an explosive Maybe it's more utility. straightforward, right? It's, it, mm-hmm. it's maybe more posting up and more... Okay, you're going to be in the corner as a 40% three point shooter shooting threes for Great us. Great point. Yes. At the very least. Mm-hmm. I, I will note that when I came in, he was shooting threes from the corner. There we go. Just for <laughs> what it's worth. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if anything, having him as a shooter on the floor, given yeah. his prolific three point shooting, should help or could help mm-hmm. alleviate some pressure on Ant at, at the very least. Because yeah. um, right now they don't really have that. It's more um, the other side of the floor, right? Like, yeah, it's more right on the defensive end of the floor mm-hmm. of the floors where you're gonna maybe see some some issues pop up, and and maybe that can be especially with that transition defense. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I would if if again, and we're just throwing a number out there. If Carl's 60, 70, 80 percent, whatever, um, in terms of speed, mobility, agility, whatever, um, you have some concerns about him chasing a four around, uh. Uh, defensively but but maybe like maybe it's kind of the same thing as offense if like offensively you're like okay we'll we'll use them on the block we'll use them in the corners little less demanding situations like maybe you just use carl as a five right and um and you maybe again like finch just hinted at maybe you don't start him right you in the minute restrictions games maybe carl's exclusively playing the five or like the vast majority of his minutes are there so it's not the like I mean, even outside of how the calf is doing, like, how's this wind, right? Like, how cardiovascularly right. ready to to play even 25 minutes, Carl Anthony Towns. We have no idea on that. So whether it's planned or not, like, I think Carl's going to end up finding himself, like, gravitating towards situations that aren't as physically demanding. And, you know, as weird and wonky as this roster is, like, I don't know, like, I can kind of see all those spots making sense. Like, okay, let's post up Carl more. Let's use him in the corner more. Let's ha- or let's just have him be a three-point shooter. And let's have him be the center defensively. Like, those all seem like parameters that you could put it on put on him. And the surrounding pieces around him should be able to foster that. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'd be pretty surprised if we're, like, writing, you know, five games into his time back or, like, uh, this feels like it's holding the wolves back. I just, I don't know. I just really don't. What's it? What's it? What's it holding them back from? That would be I, I my know. question. They were okay. Yeah, so yeah, here's yeah. here's my thing, and people were, have been worried about that. They were nine and ten when he got hurt. Yeah, they're still a five hundred team. It's not like they've taken off and mm-hmm. like taken the Western Conference by storm <laughs> when he's been out. Yeah, right. They've been no, a totally. five hundred team all season long, pretty much. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't buy the, just shut them down because mm-hmm. it might mess up what they have. Like the, what they have now is not good enough. Right. Yeah. I, it's, it's not. And and if anything, the chance of him helping them 
outweighs the risk of him hurting them in my mind. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know where that really came from. I, or I don't know. It, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really, it doesn't square um, in in my mind. And like then on top again, when we were talking to Finch about the what you put in your story too, that you know Finch alluded to, he's just like outside of the physical things or the positioning things we're talking about. I'm like, Finch is just like, man, we could really use we could really use some film and some experience of him just being out there with these guys in, in the new group. And, uh, you know, you don't, you know, fans aren't going to love if that's like the only productive factor. When we reflect on this last month of the season, we go, well, yeah, you know, they fell back, they ended up the nine seed and they lot, they didn't end up making the playoffs in the, you know, they didn't get to the playoffs through the play in. Like if that's where it is, I don't think people are going to be like, but there was nine games where Carl was back and we got an extra 170 minutes with with Rudy, like Cat <laughs> right. Rudy on the floor. I don't know. That might feel a little underwhelming to me if, if that's like the, the positive narrative uh, we have on this at the end. That's why I kind of go back to like winning some more of these games in whatever this interim time is so you can at least hope to bottle something. I just want I want to come out of this last stretch of the season with something other than the fact that, yeah, Carl got back on the floor and we got to see him play a little bit. Like, I want to see something <laughs> productive, right? Like for this season, too. I, I don't think it's fair to fully shift our minds to the next season because the team is 500 and like everyone loves the Lakers right now and they're not, you know, right? Like. It, right. Th- there is some we, we kind of say, oh, they've been up and down and up and down. They're only 500. And like, yes, that has the up and down has felt maddening. But 500 also isn't like that bad too relative uh, to this conference. So I'm just looking for like a little bit of something that exceeds expectations outside of the fact of like just seeing them on the floor together. Because because, yeah, like this isn't enough. Whatever they have right now is not enough to be relied on um, at, at, at all consistently. They just don't have enough juice. They just don't have enough juice uh, with this group. I think I underestimated that with D'Lo out, like, out of the picture. Is is just offensively, they so clearly need uh, need a little bit more. And it's it's hard to point anywhere else other than than Cap bringing that. I, I, I don't know. I I feel like it's reasonable to to be like, yeah, the Wolves' offense was like really good the last five games of the season. Once Cap got back, like that seems like a reasonable expectation to me. Yeah, and think back to a couple years ago when D'Lo was coming back, right. you know, and when Finch had just taken the job. Mm-hmm. D'Lo comes back from the knee injury, mm-hmm. and they worked him back in, and you know, your attitude of the team maybe changes because they they finished that season out fairly strong yes um you know and so the the outlook of the team and the franchise and what people are capable of doing ends up you know kind of looking better as you entered that mm-hmm. particular off season and it leads to the playoffs the following yes. the following season um so I'm, I'm with you on i i don't think this team just as, as we discussed just has enough juice as currently constructed mm-hmm. right now so Getting Carl back on the floor provides at least a little bit extra, mm-hmm. a, a little something extra. That if Carl was on the floor in that Brooklyn game, yeah, I feel like late game offense is a, is a lot different uh, than than what they did. 
Yes. I, I feel like it's more, there's more options. There's, there's more that the defense has to account for, mm-hmm. you know, as well as, as well as like Kyle Anderson has shot the three ball this year. I don't think teams yeah. are fearful of, of him or Jaden and as well as Jaden yeah. shot the ball this year. I don't think they're fearful of those guys really hitting a big mm. clutch three and crunch time and doing them in. I think Carl provides a little different dynamic there yeah. that you really have to account for because of his track record um, and because of what he represents, even when he, you know, if he doesn't shoot it, puts the ball on the floor potentially. So I, I think it just looks a lot different in the, in that scenario than it did on Friday night. Yeah. I, I'm with that a hundred percent. Like I, I, I'm watching, I mean, there's been a ton of clutch game. I think they've played like eight of the 10 games since the, you know, since the trade have been like really close down the stretch, like counted as clutch. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I'm watching the wolves in the clutch, like, I am, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it, but like, even with Jaden, who's grown a lot offensively, I'm not like, that feels like a big offensive threat specific to clutch time. Rudy, like that, as much, I do think his offense has grown. That doesn't feel like as much of a weapon in clutch time. It's like the only other one that to me really, I think when it gets to those time, I'm like, that could be a weapon is Mike Conley. And he has a couple of times less often than right. he hasn't been. Um, but, but yeah, there's just, there's just not enough. I think teams go into feet like they knew they absolutely 100% knew at the end of overtime that that play was going through Ant Right. And, right. and, you know, and if Carl's in the game, like it's still probably going through Ant Right. But that's a whole different sort of calculation in terms of, how you match up it's going, it's going through amp but it maybe frees up the floor a little bit for exactly. amp because carl's out there mm-hmm. um and it's not as it's not as crowded for for ant to, to get back to your con to, to your to your conley point mm-hmm. there think about that west coast road trip the yep. lakers game they win the lakers game because mike conley hits a big three mm-hmm. right it's somebody else kind of stepping up in that mo- moment when when teams are yeah. focused so hard on ant and he makes the right play, makes the right reads. Just you know, in that case, double a double was coming. He gets off of it, and they find Conley for an open wing three, and he hits it, and game's right. over at that point. That's the kind of stuff that this team has been lacking all season. And it ha- like it happened on that West Coast road trip. Didn't happen last week in in Minnesota. Um, it's got it's going to have to be somebody. Week. It's going to have to be other than it's going to have to be somebody other than Ant. Yeah. Is what is what or we're in addition to Ant, in addition and, to or Ant. in addition to yeah. Ant, mm-hmm. you need you need somebody to step up, and right. so Ant just doesn't have to play ISO ball and feel like he has to jack up a, a step back three yep. half the time in clutch time. Mm-hmm. So they don't they don't have that on a consistent basis right now, and Carl can at least provide maybe another option in those moments. Absolutely, that that's what they need. Let's grab uh, let's grab one more break. We'll come back for one final uh, quick second with. Uh, Chris Hine from Atlanta. Today's show is sponsored by Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. It's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. 
Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back after you purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com, use promo code DaneMore for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 20,000 people. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. We are back with Chris Hine from the Star Tribune. Uh, one final segment here. Uh, Chris, as I, you know, I think... A lot of people leave that, you know, the Brooklyn game over the week on Friday and, you know, there, there's kind of a deflation to it because it feels like the latest, you know, copy paste of the pattern of the season. And I, I feel that I, I think that's the the main emotion that is that is tied to this team right now. But I, I do like think about that Brooklyn game or I think about the post trade deadline thing. And when I'm not just looking for positives, but legitimate positives. Uh, the the main thing I think about is Rudy Gobert and and the expansion of his offensive game over these last 10 games. You know, I, I, I came into the first 10, 20 games of the year like, oh my gosh, this is, just seems like way too much focus on, right. on Rudy individual creation, whether it be like off one dribble, the Euro steps, you know, a, a tough post up that felt like too much of that. Um, I, I think I have to admit that it it looks a lot better. And in the context of a team that needs a, that second scoring punch in addition to Ant, uh, Rudy's feeling like that a lot more, particularly against small ball lineups, right? Which was the big, you know, woo, Rudy versus right. small ball lineups. Like when teams have gone small against the Wolves recently, specifically when Rudy's on the floor, like, I think it's fair to say the Wolves have weaponized that to their advantage more often than it's hurt them uh, since the trade deadline. And we've seen a good amount of it. I mean, Brooklyn being the 
the most recent example of that. And, uh, you know, it, everyone's frustrated right now because it's been the up and down, up and down. But that is a new up, a new micro yeah. up in the macro up and down sine wave that that has been this season. I think it's important that, you know, we're acknowledging that. And, and you know, I don't know if the playoff series is going to come, but if it is against a team that is, you know, it seems like one of their primary tactics would be going small against the Wolves and Rudy. I feel a lot better about the Wolves' ability to attack that right now, Cat or not, uh, than I than I did back when Cat was playing in in October and, and November. Um, where where are you at on just what we've seen from Rudy of late? Yeah, I've been I've been encouraged with that. I, I think Conley has certainly helped with this. That's probably the biggest. You know, it's no coincidence that this yeah. happens as Mike Conley has gotten here. Um, the the number of guys who now know how to operate in and around Rudy has increased on this team yep. with Nikhil coming in and with Conley com- coming in. And I think it's, Kyle Anderson already had pretty good chemistry with him when he's on the floor. I actually think Jaden has gotten better at at finding Rudy and and being able to drop the ball off to him. Like I, th- I, I noticed that. that a couple I noticed that a couple times in that Brooklyn game that Jaden had a couple nice little drop off passes to Rudy that plays that necessarily weren't happening earlier in the season kind of looks like the kyle anderson drive things you know like Jaden's doing that like kind of slow down as he gets to the basket like maybe he's gonna he said he's learned he said he uh, he said on the west coast that he was learning from kyle about how to do some of that stuff because he feels like he could do that Mm -hmm. so that's been leading to him having more controlled passes dirty the one who seemed like he wants to throw the ball all that often to rudy is ant yeah you know, it's like Rudy sets the screen for Ant, and you know Rudy's just not getting the ball. Like <laughs> it's just not it's happening. That simple, yeah. Um, um, you know, I, I think I don't think Ant minds. Yeah, one thing that you know, it's just the role, the role aspect of it. I don't think Ant seems too mm-hmm. comfortable with. Ant would be okay with like you know, and I, I think Finch might have even brought this up. Like if Rudy was in more of the dunker role, yeah, the way Vanderbilt was, like that's that's something ant is accustomed to seeing and do, doing the, the the screen and roll game and, and kind of finding the right moment to to mm-hmm. give it to rudy is not is not his game right now at least right now the yeah it is like a mike conley it, it's interesting i was thinking about i i asked Mitch about that after like the yeah. the the brooklyn game and the you know how those two yeah. are integrating or how they can better and 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 he he said that like he said rather than using Rudy as a screener for Ant, just kind of having him stand there in the dunker by the yeah. basket. And I was thinking about like if you're Ant, right? Like and Rudy comes up to set a screen for you, and like obviously like your first instinct is gonna be try and get downhill off of that. Like so you start moving forward, and now Rudy is like in your periphery, right? As a as an option to pass to. And that's a little bit different than him just being totally in front of him in the dunker, you know? And I think that's like a little like small example of how Ant hasn't fully developed that vision as a, you know, a point guard or a lead initiator. Like, yeah, if the big, if Rudy's in the dunker and the big comes up to, you know, to show on Ant, I feel good about Ant's ability to be able to recognize that because it's literally right in front of him. Throw the lob to Rudy, drop it off to Rudy there. But when it's in like, I don't know, as the Motion. geometry, yeah, like, right, yeah. like, the, the, 
the right, geometry the angles, of the, the timing. Yeah, yeah that is yeah. off. That that is just yeah. off. And and I don't know. Is that like can we get Ant out to like France for two weeks, like in the summertime, <laughs> and they just like they just run that to death, like that that uh, you know, that isn't gonna be there. That isn't gonna be that like fourteen games. That's not going to develop. I mean, that is gonna be. A, it's an off-season thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're going to look back on the first season, you know, when we're sitting around a year from now and we're thinking of wherever the team is, be like, yeah, first year, Ant and Rudy didn't develop a lot of offensive chemistry, but, you know, between the two of them. Like, that's just how the 2022-23 season is is going to go down. And, and like, that sounds really terrible <laughs> because you, like, draft, you trade for this guy to put next to him. But I do think it's important that Ant individually – has certainly grown in those type of actions in like as an individual scorer. And then Rudy has grown as a, as an individual offensive player too. Like I'm with you, like you said, Conley's the biggest factor in that hundred percent agree. I do think some of Rudy's individual development as like a one-on-one score, individual offensive Mm -hmm. player, it was like kind of one of those things that was going to come. Like, I think, I think it would have came even if D'Lo was here too. Like he was slowly developing it. And then, Conley sort of expedites that you know what I mean like he's like okay now there's some chemistry here too but I I would give credit to Rudy for I I, when he says it's something I've been working on all season I feel like I believe it like yes is it still big guy looks a little bit you know gangly when when he's doing stuff sure but I really believe Rudy has worked on that and I think we're seeing things like he's added that little floater shot sometimes when he's going to the euro step like he stops himself and kicks it out instead of the kind of flailing off the backboard type of things that we saw earlier in the year. Like, I, again, I, I guess I said it before. I, I want to give Rudy credit for that because I really bagged on it um, when when it wasn't there. I bagged on Finch for having you know really focused on that. I, I think I think it's both things, right? Rudy and Ant haven't developed the chemistry together. They both have individually gotten better as offensive players this year. So I guess, I don't know, you know, I guess take that for what it's worth. It's not everything you want, but it's certainly not nothing. Um, and, and again, I, I don't think bringing Carl back into the mix hurts that. Like, no, I, I think Carl is good at finding Rudy in those spots. And he a lot was, of the time, he was, uh, the yeah. only one at some point. So, <laughs> so season. I don't think that yeah. like goes away. Like Rudy's usage is going to go down like overall touches, but like, I think the effectiveness goes up. Um, when, when Carl's back in the mix, because Carl has shown how to find him in ways Ant hasn't. And, um, I'm, I'm really curious to see that. Like the, the, the three, those three together looked so different at the beginning of the season than what I do anticipate they will look like for the last 10, however many games of the season uh, it is. I, I do think it'll be pretty good because I, because Ant and Rudy have individually grown. I'm, I'm with you there. It looks so much smoother and cleaner now when they get Rudy the ball and when he's moving to the basket and you know he's getting the ball in, in great positions to, to dunk it, to, to lay it in really easily. Mm-hmm. Like most of the most of his shots end up being very easy shots. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's not aside from maybe that that little floater he has. Um, most of them are dunks or at the rim, pretty right. much. It, it looks that that's what you want. Um, I'm with you. I, I think I think when Carl comes back and with Conley being out there instead of D'Lo, I think everything 
just almost throw away <laughs> in some ways <laughs> yeah. what happened that that first you know, those first mm-hmm. 19 games or whatever it was uh earlier in the season because I, I think i think you're right rudy's different Ant's different this offense is going to be different mm-hmm. um carl's going to be different at least to start and yeah. we'll see you know what his strengths and weaknesses are coming back it's going to be a different ride than it was in, in october november they're used to playing with these each other a little more now yeah other people are used to playing with rudy it's not just carl anymore who you know makes the concerted effort to try to find him so i i i think on offense i don't think it's going to be that big of an issue yeah carl comes back i I don't i think it's defense is where all the questions for me are Mm -hmm. and what does their coverage look like how does transition defense look because that transition defense was pretty bad early in the season yeah um you know does that carry over from where it was or do they have a fix for that mm-hmm. um so those are those are the big questions i have it's on the other end of the floor not necessarily on on offense i think the offense will be fine i mean look they're, well, they're just, just interesting right <laughs> they're a bottom third team in efficiency yeah. the way it is carl's not gonna hamper that yeah by coming back so defense is where i have the questions yeah it's just interesting because they've been like a top 10 defense and a bottom 10 offense pretty like pretty yeah. much the the whole year but it does feel like that the question marks more so come on the defensive side of the floor like i i you know it's just i just have rudy's like stats up here like he he has a better true shooting percentage this season which is just you know field goal percentage and free throws than he did two years ago in Utah, about the same as it was three years ago, significantly better than it was four years ago. Like the, the attractive things about Rudy was if and when he got a touch offensively, he put it in at an elite efficient level. And he's it's a little less than last year. Last year was like his most efficient year ever in, yeah. in Utah. But it's not bad, you know? And and that's that's where like again when I'm seeing with the eye test. Oh, that looks a little bit cleaner. It's it's also encouraging to see that the overall numbers of Rudy have, in terms of his offensive efficiency, have been fine, more than fine, probably better than I thought they would have been. If if I'm you know being honest, just to look at a sixty nine percent true shooting percentage right now at this point of the season. So you factor in the fact that Cat seems to only help that with Rudy. Uh, it seems like Cat will. help take some of the load off of ant situationally like i i think this team should be good offensively just from having cat back it it just it just should be and that's been the issue with this team and the defense can afford a hit more than the offense can so it's yeah i again it goes back to what we're talking about right off the top i i think if and when we can see this all together the the issues that have plagued this team for so much of the season, the season as a whole, I I don't I don't see happening. And then you have the looming specter of some of the small things that have been you've you've hit on transition defense a few times. That's smart. That was the one thing that looked so bad in the first twenty games of the season with two centers running up and down the floor. But I I I find myself less skeptical about Cat's return and any sort of uh negative impact he could he could have on this group and then i'm just fascinated to see like oh does you know like cat and keel alexander walker does that seem like if cat's like playing with second units could like a tp nah cat like j mac and mcdaniels type line like maybe that's you know i'm excited to see some of those sort of things too i i, I struggle 
I struggle to find any real fear about Cat's return on any individual player other than the fact that it might make the defense overall worse. And I don't know what sort of load that will put on the team who's a team that has now relied on defense, right? Like the identity, the post-trade deadline identity of this team is be a strong defensive team for as many of the 48 minutes as you can. That's going to keep you in every game and then get to clutch time and try and, you know, try and catch lightning in a bottle with Ant or a couple of made threes or something like that. Um, It just... As confusing as this has all been this year, it does it just kind of feels that simple at the same time. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. The the defense. I'm trying to think back to what like half court defense looked like when when Carl was out. It was there. good. It was actually it was, good. It wasn't I, bad, right? Right. Yeah, like, I remember were that. Okay, it was just all um, transition that was, was in the aggregate. Transition. Like yeah. like we think of that the last full game that Carl played was that Warriors game at home where the Warriors just curb stomped them. Yeah, yeah. And it looked and it looked terrible mm-hmm. that, that that particular day because the Warriors but, were just like first quarter right away like run run right. run. We run, know run, this run. is the yeah. weakness. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah I'm with you. I I don't I don't think it's gonna hamper the offense defensively we'll see kind of how and it's gonna it's gonna depend too like is carl coming off the bench is carl just basically going to be like Nas's minutes yeah when when he comes back like off the bench does Nas just go to the bench and it's like all right carl's playing the Nas minutes the first Mm -hmm. five games whatever the minutes restriction is right yeah and then after that you know does he integrate more with rudy do they try and get him back with Rudy more often, do they separate them, you know, more often at the start? I don't know what the plan is going to be right away. Right, we'll see. To yeah, be determined. I mean, if it just is Cat in place of Nas, and even if it's Cat at 80 percent, that's going to be an upgrade. You know, as as fun as Nas has been, you know, this season and at times great, uh, just as many times, Brooklyn game included, Nas has been really negative. Uh, for this team and and with with cat it just only ever feels like he's a real negative if or when he's in foul trouble and and if on a minutes restriction or you come in in a bench roll it's like you know you don't want cat to pick up two three fouls in six minutes but that probably won't be the end of the world right um that's that's the the difference with the the with rudy versus before rudy sort of team it was like all right cat picked up two fouls in the first four minutes of the game he's got to go to the bench that was just like oh you know i right. i, I, I but, don't but think now now, now yeah now they've developed more ways to play too true like earlier in the season they didn't really know how else to play mm-hmm. you know but now like if carl's a foul trouble or carl's on a minutes restriction when that's like all right well we know like it's go back to the old thing. yeah like well, we'll just go back to what we were doing before they, yeah. they have now stuff they could they can revert back to so mm-hmm. it's not it's not a it's not as dire of a situation uh as it as not it might all. have been back in october november i don't i don't think at least no so i, I mean i don't think we'll so see, either. we'll see we'll see what happens yeah, right. when, when and if he actually gets back out there a good disclaimer uh, this conversation this conversation might be rendered irrelevant by the first <laughs> couple games he plays right so who knows yeah well um chris is is in atlanta uh for the game tonight, we tried to stay away from too specifically picking at, at that matchup because I mean, this is only going to come out a couple hours uh, before that game starts. But that, you know, that that's that's next up um, in this. I think Atlanta is a team that they 
you know, they, they can beat even on the, on the road, even, even without cat, we, we see where it goes and, uh, we, we keep moving along because as this week slides along, I think we're only going to get more and more signals that cat is closer, uh, and closer to playing, you know, um, we'll, we'll see if that's as early as Friday against Chicago, or is it another week? Um, on top of that, that part, that part we don't know, but we'll 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 keep tracking it in the meantime. Uh, Chris is in Atlanta. Follow him on Twitter for uh, updates from from shoot around from the from the pregame from Finch. I'm sure Finch will say something uh, to Chris in in pregame media availability about what uh, what Cat was was or isn't able to do, and we'll we'll keep moving along with this thing, Chris. Uh, I will. I'll see you on uh, on Friday in in Chicago, and we'll we'll check back in on on where this whole thing is. Sounds good. Talk to you later. All right. Yeah, he's Christopher Hine. Follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hine. I just called you Christopher in your your, your actual name. <laughs> Only uh, my mother when I was younger called me Christopher. Yeah, but, and I was and I was in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter, you're on you're in trouble on Twitter. So you follow him yeah. <laughs> on Twitter at Christopher Hine uh and read read his work in in the Star Tribune this week as he's on the on the road with the Wolves. Um, I will be uh, I'll be back later this week to talk to you. I think uh, next up will be will be Jace on, on Wednesday morning and we'll reflect on where Atlanta is and any sort of developments um, that, that have, have come along the way. So until then, he's Chris, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.